Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. We are your hosts, Spen. Nick. And we have the 50th episode of Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick for you guys tonight. Can you believe that we've hit 50? Yeah. I actually didn't know that. That's kind of sick. So, Nick, why don't you tell the audience where you are calling from today? I'm in Los Angeles, the city of Angles, because it's a very angular city. And you went to uh, Los Angeles because you're a diehard Nets fan and you needed to be in the vicinity of the Lakers and the Clippers games, correct? I did. I just like heckled with a megaphone from outside of Staples Center the entire game. But seriously, you're writing some movies out there. I, I can't say what they're about. You got a few projects in the works. Uh, I just want to say me and dad are so proud of you. Dad filled your what about mom? last week. Eh, you know, we don't really talk, talk about mom anymore. Not because... Like, we have any problems with her. She lives with dad, of course, still. She's just not worth talking about on the podcast. Um, Ever since the accident, we don't really talk to her anymore. (laughs) Ever since she made us halibut stew and we all got (laughs) sick. Um, Yeah, no, dad was fantastic filling in for you last week. He he studied up on his net stuff and, and everyone loved him. The episode did really well last week. I mean, he's basically just like an older, balder me. Okay, never really heard that one before uh, because you guys are extremely different, especially in your occupations. Yeah, but like we're pretty similar in terms of humor. I'm funnier, but he's he, he, he reaches more. You know, he's a reacher. He's like Jack Reacher. So are you saying you're more like dad and I'm more like our mom that we do not want to talk about on this podcast because she's the Meg Griffin of our family? You're kind of like Uncle Gary. Uncle Gary. All right, Nick, let's get into some Nets news. After an embarrassing loss to the Detroit Pistons for what seems like forever ago, it was only two weeks ago, the Nets are currently riding a six-game winning streak. And on their recent West Coast road trip, they went 5-0 and with wins over the Warriors, the Kings, the Suns, the Lakers, and the Clippers. And Nick, they only had Kevin Durant for one of those games, the game against Golden State. So how impressive have the Nets been in this last week and a half of basketball in your eyes? I mean, everyone's talking about it. We've risen up in the power rankings ahead of the Lakers now. The only team ahead of us is the Utah Jazz, which we won't get into. But come on, it's the Jazz. They'll choke in the first round of the playoffs. The stifled tower is super scared. Um, I mean, I got two words for you, bro. Joe Harris. You got KD missing for the majority of the games. And Joe Harris is the third piece of the puzzle. I mean, honestly, if KD never came back, Joe Harris is like all we need. I saw someone uh, post, maybe KD should come off the bench when he returns. Dude, just listen to Joe Harris's field goal percentages in the past, uh, in the past five games. We're going to minus the Clippers game because he had an, a little bit of an off game shooting 36% from the field. Win against the Lakers, Joe Harris shot 70% with 21 points. Against the Suns, 62% with 22 points. 80% against the Kings with 10 and 56% with 15 points against the Warriors. I mean, basically KD was like, Hey, I'm going to go take a breathe there. Joe Harris. Could you just like not miss many shots? And Joe Harris was like, why do you think I have this tattoo of my mom and grandma? Because I don't miss shots. Well, Joe Harris has been great for the Nets in this stretch. Obviously their six and zero run is a lot more than just Joe Harris's production. We have James. <laughs> We have James Harden winning the player of the week in the Eastern Conference. 
He has been insane. I'm going to read you his last four games. Against the Kings, 29 points, 14 assists, 13 rebounds. Against the Suns, he had 38 points, 11 assists, and 7 rebounds, plus the game-winning three-pointer. Against the Lakers, he went for 23 points. I believe it was 11 rebounds and 5 assists. Maybe those are flipped. And then against the Clippers, he had 37 points. I know he had 7 assists. And I believe eleven rebounds. He had eleven rebounds. The only thing that's crazy to me is how quickly Harden jumps into an entirely new offense, an entirely new system, and not only matches his numbers in his in his prime years, but exceeds them. He has been incredible. I mean, I, I and you're absolutely right. The fact that he's playing this this is only his 18th game. Yesterday against the Clippers was his 18th game on the Nets, and I've never seen someone gel this quickly with a team. Um, I made an entire YouTube video. You guys can check it out at the Fireside Nets YouTube page. But the entire video is just me breaking down the impact that Harden has had on everybody. And you can virtually go down the list. He's made everybody better. Bruce Brown, Landry Shamit, TLC, Tyler Johnson, DeAndre Jordan, Kyrie Irvin. He actually lets him cook a lot more. Irvin has a lot more one-on-one and isolation plays because you can't double because Harden's on the other side of the court. Um, he's been phenomenal. And let's, let's not forget that Kyrie Irvin, has, has been playing very, very, very well. Um, he, he's putting up numbers in every game. In fact, against the Clippers, he ended up with eight assists, which was a lot higher than his season average. But he's been scoring, man. He had 40 against the Kings. He had 28 against the Clippers. And, and just playing with James Harden, the threat of what Harden brings to that Nets offense, it allows for Kyrie to go to work. Um, one guy I want to talk about specifically, Nick, because we've – ragged on him before on this Nets podcast, but he hit the game winning or go ahead shot against the Clippers yesterday. And that's Deandre Jordan. Deandre Jordan <laughs> has been in really good. I almost said incredible. Um, you know what? Fuck it. I'll say he's been incredible. He's been playing his best basketball of the season, 13 points and 11 rebounds yesterday. He needed every single rebound he got for them to win yesterday, especially that go ahead tip in towards the end. Um, I'm just super impressed with what he's been able to do for this squad. And I think James Harden is a huge influence on Jordan. I mean, that game against the Pistons where it was probably the lowest point of the season for DeAndre, who was in his ear that game? It was James Harden. You're right. DeAndre stepped up. The entire team has elevated. I don't think there's one person on the team right now. I'd say is playing worse in the past five or six games than he was in the beginning of the season. Everyone's gotten better. And that starts from James Harden to Kyrie Irving to Joe Harris, to everybody else. But what I will say about DeAndre Jordan, unbelievable shot. If he had 100 more of those, he would not hit any of them. But with that said, it does not take away from the incredible last minute, uh, you know, last 10 seconds game winner that DeAndre Jordan hit. It was incredible. We talk a lot about stats on this podcast. Me and you are big numbers, guys. But if you watch that Clippers game, the effort that DeAndre Jordan is giving on defense is so much more than he was giving earlier in the season. Earlier in the season, we'd see someone pull up for a jump shot 10 feet away from the rim, and DeAndre would do this thing where he'd just stare at them. Wouldn't move his body, wouldn't put out an arm, he'd just stare at them, and we'd be like, what the hell is that? Why, why didn't he do anything? Yesterday, he was contesting shots from everyone, so much so that eventually he blocked Kawhi Leonard on a mid-range shot. And people don't – they're not going to think that that's a big deal – but for what we need from Jordan, he's our defensive anchor, especially with Durant out. It's really just him and Jeff Green as our big men who can defend the paint. 
he he is he was really good yesterday against the Clippers. And I'm saying yesterday, recording on Monday night, by the way. I know you guys are listening on Tuesday, so it's two two days ago. But he he has played some legitimately special basketball for the Brooklyn Nets. And I'm just I'm I'm happy he's on my team right now. I know I know he's gotten a lot of grief on Nets Twitter this year from me and you, but he's answered all the critics and he's really played well. It kind of, uh, and again, I'm not going to say no for a fact because I don't really know anything for a fact these days. I don't even know who I am at the end of the day. Um, it does kind of seem like when I asked CJ Watson, I said, is defense, uh, is that really a matter of effort or can you actually be unskilled in defense? And, and it could be either one, right? You could be a slow defender. You, you, you could sometimes be a bad uh, reader on what, on, you know, go for a hip fake, go for a fake, a lot more gullible than other players. But at the end of the day, these NBA players are in amazing shape, the best shape they could be in their lives. And if they push 100% on defense, I do believe that no matter what, they'll be able to put up a fight and stop someone most of the time, uh, especially if you're playing health defense, especially if you're switching when you need to and communicating. And to me, yeah, it does seem like the Nets had a, a meeting outside the last couple of games and said, hey, guys, like, let's all actually step it up on defense and work together. Because, yeah, people were driving by everybody. Even Kyrie uh, two weeks ago was saying, yeah, my defense was shit. I, I, I couldn't guard – what did he say? I couldn't guard a something tonight. It was it – was, he knew I it for a I couldn't cover fact. a stick. Yeah, it could, something like that. I don't know why you would have uh, to cover does, a stick in any context. I think the idea of the stick's like an inanimate object, and you should be able to cover it pretty easily. But with that said, it does seem to me that it was a matter of effort. It could have been chemistry as well, the team getting to know how the other one plays who helps, who's rotating. I understand that. But the effort overall by this team and the confidence has increased significantly over the past week. Obviously, the Nets are on a really good stretch of basketball. You said it. They're, they're moving up in the power rankings. Does Sean Marks still need to make a move and add a big to this roster, or should they just stay put the way they're currently playing? It, it would help for sure. Um, do I think it, it's an absolute necessity? No. Would I prefer it at the end of the day? Yes. But here's what I'll say. We haven't seen Nick Claxton play yet. And I know what everyone's thinking. I just saw an article from Daily News saying, pump the brakes on your expectations for Nick Claxton. We have bigs that are coming off the bench. At the end of the day, we don't need them to reinvent the wheel. We need them to step up, rotate in, give us a solid 10 to 15 minutes, and get back on the bench. Don't turn the ball over get rebounds, put it back when necessary, but just dish it back out to Durant, Harden, and Kyrie. And we haven't even seen Durant back yet. So that to me is the one sign that we might be okay if we're beating the best teams in the league right now and playing at this elevated level of a game and our best player, arguably a top three player in the league, is not even playing. Do we need much more? I don't know. I don't know. I think, this, I think, the, I think stats would tell you no, Durant comes back will only be better. It's a loaded question for a ton of reasons. One, the Nets are shooting at a ridiculously efficient rate right now from three-point land. Everybody on that team, if you watch the Suns game, the Kings game, the Lakers game, they're just hitting a ridiculous amount of threes. Tyler Johnson, Landry Shamit, Timothy Luau Cabrero, Jeff Green, Joe Harris, all these guys are good for a few threes a game. And in this last stretch of basketball, I wouldn't say that this is what I want to see come playoff time. I mean, it'd be great, but they're not going to hit this amount of threes come playoff time. They're going to have to play smarter basketball. They look, they did not shoot the ball well against the Clippers 29% from three point range against, against Los Angeles, but they were able to defend. They were able to shut down everybody, not named Kawhi and Paul George. And they were, they were able to win because of the play from James Harden and the play from Deandre Jordan. That was the reason they got the win. Um, and, and Kyrie poured in 28. But my point is you will eventually 
have a situation where DeAndre is playing way too many minutes. You're going to need someone else. You dropped Norvell Pell. You're probably going to drop Noah Vonley. He has not found his way into the rotation. Nick Claxton, you bring him up. He was available against the Clippers, but he didn't play. I mean, I mean, you're going to, you're going to have to work one of these guys into the rotation. And the problem is Steve Nash has already found some really good rotations, especially with that second unit and Harden leading the way. So it's going to be difficult. I mean, look, Durant can seamlessly transition back into the starting lineup. He can play with anyone. I'm not worried about Kevin Durant coming back to this team. But a Nick Claxton or a Noah Vonley or anybody else that Marks wants to trade for uh, in regards to front court help, it's going to be a little bit of a transition getting them into a rotation. Yes, but at the end of the day, aren't the best teams in the league more small ball teams than, than heavy hitters down low? I mean, obviously, you have the Lakers, you have AD, you have the Jazz, you have Rudy Gobert. But I can't really think of a team that has like a power four or five combination that I'm that worried about. To me, the but, game has kind of developed into it. it, it the Nets are, in a sense, kind of like the Warriors. Yeah, I was, I was, I was thinking about the Warriors. Yeah. Where you have one, you have one okay big man that does his job. You know who they have? Andrew Bogut at a certain point. They have Javal McGee at a certain point. They had one guy like a DeAndre Jordan type, which we have, who fills the spot, plays good D, is a hustle, is a hype man, does what he has to do, finishes on an alley oop. And then you have a one through four who are all shooting over 50% from the field, who are pretty much unstoppable. If one or two of them are in a groove, you might not even need the three or four. And the four in my situation right now is Joe Harris, just to clarify. And then you have guys off, you have kind of big guards off the bench, like Jeff Green, who is having an unbelievable season for a player of his age. So the more I talk about it, the more I feel okay with where we're at. And again, I'll mention Nick Claxton. Nobody has any idea why he didn't play last night, other than the fact that A, maybe they still want him to rest. B, maybe he's not as good as we're all hoping he's going to be. Um, well, to, to be fair, if you're going to try to put a player who hasn't played all season into a basketball game, do you want it to be against the Clippers on national TV? Because that game was nationally televised. I don't know if that's that's the team, that's especially, fair. you know, it's the end of the, the West Coast road trip. You really want to close that strong. I'm not sure that would have been the best situation to play him in. No, I, I agree. I agree. The, the last point I'll say about this is, is yeah, I, I can't remember the last time a team won where it was just power down low, and I was almost worried that we wouldn't be able to compete. I will agree with you on the Warriors' point. The fact that the Warriors never really had a great uh, center, or even, look, Andrew Bogut and Kayvon Looney, they weren't terrible, um, but they were DeAndre Jordan level. Let's let's say that. Let's call it what it was. Toronto and Los Angeles Lakers, they're the last two teams to win the the finals, and they had pretty good front courts. Siakam, Abaka, um, that first year was Gasol on that team that won the championship. I think he was. Yeah, yeah. I think so. And then last year with the Lakers, you had Javon Dwight McGee, Howard, Dwight Howard, and Anthony Davis. So it can be done. I mean, the Warriors have have proven it can be done. Where you have a, a Jeff Green, Draymond Green type power forward, and then you just kind of have DeAndre. But still, that that Warriors team had Bogut and Looney, or they had Looney and another guy. I would just like one other guy man if it's Jan Mahini I don't give a shit give me one other center because I, I haven't seen Noah Vonley do anything and I don't know if Nick Claxton is capable of being a backup center give me so like that, a Thomas Bryant I'll take Thomas Bryant well he's injured he's out for the year and he's he's the, the Wizards aren't giving him up so let's forget about that I'll we'll take not. him I'll take him and I want him injured the Nets actually signed another player this week Nick and he was not a big it was Andre Roberson the defensive specialist, formerly of the Oklahoma City Thunder, he's bounced around the league a little bit, hasn't had a job um, in a minute, but the Nets signed him. 
Kevin Durant's former teammate, Jeff Green's former teammate, uh, has come to the Nets to, I guess, give them that veteran defensive presence, which means they must not love what they got in Amon Shumpert. So I'm assuming both these guys are not really going to see minutes down the stretch. One of them might see more minutes than the other. What did you think of the Andre Roberson signing, Nick? Andre Roberson will forever be the guy in my mind that when you're playing NBA 2K, you pass out to a wide open guy on the three point line, shoot it. Cause he seems like a guard immediately realize it's Roberson. And you're like, no, 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 no. Because he has a hideous shot. And I just remember him in the thunder airballing almost every three. He just, uh, I, I have no opinion on, on the signing. Did it excite me whatsoever? No, Andre, jo- Andre, Ro- Andre Jordan, Andre Roberson is just like a middle of the pack. A uh, solid defender that provides nothing on offense except running off ball path and, and giving you a kickback, um, maybe getting some rebounds. I know he is a hustle player. He's definitely a guy who leaves it all on the court. But to me, he's like a Matt Barnes without the three-point ability. A lot of Nets fans were excited about this signing. I just don't see it. You have a million wings on this team, and they're all playing relatively well right now. They're all shooting well. They're all defending well. In fact, we'll get into the Suns game in a second, but Landry Shamit with some lockdown defense on Devin Booker. He played great defense the other night um, against the Lakers as well. I, I forgot there was a clip of, of him stripping somebody, but this second unit has been great. And I just don't think you needed to add Roberson. And, and also look, your, your 2k view of Roberson is what I used to watch in real life where teams would leave him open and he would go like, Oh, of nine from three point range. He, he's a very limited player offensively. But defensively, you guys have sort of found your rhythm if you're the Brooklyn Nets. So I just – I wasn't crazy about the signing. I would have liked to pick up a big man. Look, I don't think Marks is done. We still have a few weeks till the trade deadline on March 25th. But, yeah, I I, I would sell this signing. If we're playing buy or sell, I, I would have sold Andre Roberson. I agree. All right, Nick, let's get into the games from this week. And we are going to start with the victory over the Los Angeles Clippers, 112-108. A lot went down in this game. I talked about Harden stats earlier. Kyrie had 28 points and eight assists. Joe Harris with 13, Bruce Brown with 13, and DeAndre Jordan, as I mentioned, with the 13 points and 11 rebounds. The Nets were up for most of this game. Kawhi Leonard had 29 and Paul George had 34, respectively, for the Clippers. But outside of those two guys, no one else really did anything. Uh, Zubats had 13. He was the only other Clipper in double figures few little notes from this game. Things got chippy in the first quarter with Pat Beverly and James Harden. Uh, Beverly had a hard foul on Harden. Harden shoved him. And I think that actually got Harden going because after that, Harden just was unstoppable. And then in that fourth quarter, uh, Beverly set a very dirty screen on Jeff Green. Jeff Green was in serious pain. And it turned out, I think he just had a left arm contusion. So he's going to be all right, hopefully. But there was also a video that surfaced after the game of Pat Beverly uh, laughing and mocking Jeff Green. So for starters, Pat Beverly sucks. He's not that good at basketball. He's a defensive pest. Offensively, he's super limited. He was one of four from three, two of six from the field for five points. And he's, he's a plus, his plus minus was a zero. So he virtually does nothing. And he's, he's just a dick, man. Like, I understand You know, the NBA isn't the physical beat your ass up NBA. It used to be in the nineties, but have, have a little bit of integrity and and pride and not look like a jackass when the camera's on you. I mean, come on, man. Like the shit with Harden was played out and and don't fucking mock a guy when he's in serious pain. I agree. I think we've all realized Pat Beverly's a dirty player over the years. I mean, he's 
He's a crazy man. He's got a crazy smile. It looks like a hyena from The Lion King when he fucking laughs. Um, yeah, I think we shouldn't let this game get as close as it did. But thank God we pulled out the win. Thank God thank DeAndre, God for DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> DeAndre Jordan was the hero. Um, yeah, just the only thing I'll cover on this game, you pretty much said it all. Uh, we shot terribly from the three-point line, 28%. We were able to carry ourselves through um, with great defense. And what I've seen rarely this season from us, extremely low number of turnovers. Six turnovers. So what I'll say is we did, you know, the three-point percentage is usually much higher. Even our field goal percentage uh, I've seen much higher in general, um, which is impressive because we shot over 50% a number of games this season because offensively we're unbelievable. Two things, stepped up on defense and lowered the turnovers. Now, those are two things that if we can keep consistent, we don't have to shoot lights out, right? We don't have to depend on winning 150 to 140 every game. If we play better defense, if we're more careful with the ball, we can get away with, have, with getting colder sometimes, not depending on everyone to hit the big shot. So that's a great sign to me personally, because I know every time we jump on this pod, I go, yep, another 18 turnover game and a lack of defense. And that to me for the first time was against the Clippers where I said, wow, if we played like this every game, we are championship contenders. Timothy Luau Cabarro was also injured against the Clippers. By the way, I don't want to point that out. Um, he had a hip issue, but it seems as though he will be okay as well. I want to get back to your turnover point because I have a little bit of a nugget about that. Um, before I do, crazy that Paul George was benched in the final minute and 30 seconds of that game. Did you see that? Ty Lu had him on a minutes restriction, so he did not play the final minute and 30 seconds in a really close game against Brooklyn that could have gone the Clippers' way. Well, was that a minutes restriction? Was that did he hit his restriction? And I understand. Uh, if you're a Clippers fan, do you understand that? The guy had 34 Listen, they, points. They, they set missed. the minute restrictions for a reason. It's still regular season. It, you know, I understand playoff pushing someone, but if you know, if you have restrictions, there for a reason. At the end of the day, yeah, I think Paul George has a. Uh, has had some ups and downs over the recent years and his clutch performance has, uh, has been shit on because there is no clutch performance. But at the end of the day, I can't blame like a doctor or a trainer, especially in this day and age of being cautious. All right. And in regards to the turnovers, man, it's funny. Ever since that news that Kyrie Irving came out publicly and told James Harden, you're the point guard, I'm the shooting guard. Ever since I saw that little nugget of news, the Nets have really done a great job of taking care of the ball. And maybe that says something when, when Harden first joined the team, you know, it was a lot of who's handling the ball. Is it Irvin? Who's going to be the playmaker is Harden going to be the, the you know, the, the scorer. And there were a lot of turnovers and I just feel like they kind of cleared that up. And now when Kyrie gets the ball, he's looking to score. And it was funny. He had eight assists against the Clippers because he's averaging like, I want to say four to five assists a game. He's really not dishing the ball, but when he gets it, you know, he's going to the rack. Whereas with Harden, he can do anything. He can go to the rack. He can dish it to the open guy. He can step back for three. So I just found that funny that, that since that news became public, the Nets have really seemed to cut down on their turnovers. No, absolutely, dude. I mean, it's trending upwards. That's always a great time. All right. We're not going to talk about the Kings game because I, I discussed it uh, at about 1 a.m. last Monday. But let's get into the Tuesday night win over the Phoenix Suns, 128 to 124. The Nets were down 24 points in the first half. It looked like they were going to give this game up. They had no Kevin Durant, no Kyrie Irving. It was just James Harden and company. And boy, oh boy, were they able to pull off a comeback for the ages. 
they were down one with about 30 seconds left. James Harden hits a step back three to basically win the game. Devin Booker had a chance to tie it. Landry Shamit played lockdown defense on him and the Nets won the game 128 to 124. Uh, Paul had 29 points for the Suns in this one. Booker had a good game, but Booker did not score in that fourth quarter. So Nick, what did you learn from this Nets team after this very shocking comeback? Well, first of all, I love the Suns this year. I, I am very happy for the Suns because I think Devin Booker is unbelievable star that has never had the support he deserves. And to 20, bring a veteran 22, 22 points for Devin Booker that night. 22 and seven assists. So Chris Paul, 29 and seven assists. Jay Crowder, 15. DeAndre Aiden, 16. They have a great team. They have some great up-and-coming players who are all going to be fantastic. And they're really coming to their own. Like uh, Mikel Bridges, you know, a name you don't hear a lot has had some great numbers this year. Jay Crowder fills his role really well, as he's done with the Celtics and the Heat. So, first of all, I was worried about this game. No Durant, no Kyrie against the Suns team. That is up there in the West right now. And so I, w- I was like, you know what? It's, we need a miracle pulled out here. And let's just look at how our bench players came off, right? We had no Kyrie Irving. We had no Kevin Durant. And who stepped up? Joe Harris with 22 points. DeAndre Jordan with nine points. Tyler Johnson with 17 points. Tyler Johnson played 32 minutes this game. We said, hey, Tyler Johnson, you know how you play like 12 minutes a game? We're going to triple that. And can you please help us out? And he did. 17 points, five rebounds. Landry Shamit, 13 points. Jeff Green, 18 points and eight rebounds. TLC, nine points. So what I saw from this game was, okay, we're missing two of our best three players. Like I said, you know, unreplaceable. Is that a word? Unreplaceable? Irreplaceable? Yeah, irreplaceable. The song by Beyonce irreplaceable Beyonce but every single person we needed to step up stepped up and we shot 57 percent from the field so these players Bruce Brown TLC they weren't taking volume shots they were taking smart shots and they were hitting them so to me the confidence was higher the consistency was higher and the ball was being distributed throughout and Harden I'm going to be honest if anybody's going to be missing uh, if, if two players are going to be missing we're going to have one out of Harden Durant and Kyrie although you can argue you know, Durant's probably the best player on the team, although you can argue Kyrie is probably the most offensively skilled just in terms of, of scoring, uh, getting to the hoop, dribbling. James Harden is the guy you want if you're only going to get one of them because he makes plays for other people. He makes these bench players hit shots. He gets them in the right position. He gives them the confidence. He is passed first on this Brooklyn Nets team. We've never seen James Harden play pass first before he came to the Brooklyn Nets, our team. So to me, it starts with Harden. Thank God he was on the court and everybody else filled their role. James Harden is breaking records that Jason Kidd set, and he's only played 18 games as a Brooklyn Net. I think Harden should be in the MVP consideration. If he continues this play and the Nets go on to get the first seed in the playoffs, I really think, because Durant's missed so many games, I think he's got to be out at some point. He can't just keep missing games and, and still get MVP consideration. I think Harden, I agree with you. Right now, he's the most important player on this team. I think the Nets are, are, are a ridiculous 13-5 and five since Harden has joined the team, and they, they're obviously on a six-game win streak. Um, you talked a lot about the, the bench players during this Suns game. Tyler Johnson was a plus 12, and Landry Shamit was a plus 8. That's the highest on the team. Like I said in the past, James Harden has came in and made those guys better. You don't think that Tyler Johnson wanted to perform against his former employer in the Phoenix Suns? Balled out, had 17 points. That was a season high. I was just so ecstatic after this win. And, you know, we've watched a lot of Nets basketball in our day, and we've seen a lot of missed shots. We've never had someone on our team that did what James Harden did in that game. I mean, closing seconds, you're down one. Normally, we'd like a two. 
but he takes a step back three. And I did not, I was not like, oh shit, don't take that shot. When he let it go, you're like, oh yeah, that's going in. So great win. The only, yep. the only other person who I think can do what Harden is doing for the Nets, the only other person who doesn't even do it as well is Luka Doncic. That's the only player right now I've seen who could both score and create and put a team on his back against a much more skilled team when it needs to happen. So there's two players in the league in my mind that could, that could take a team of bench players and beat an elite team, and that's James Harden and Luka Doncic. I wouldn't disagree there. All right, and let's get to this Lakers game. This was a hyped-up game, although the Nets didn't have Kevin Durant. The Lakers didn't have Anthony Davis. You still had LeBron. Oh, and then the Lakers didn't have Dennis Schroeder. You still had LeBron. You still had Kyrie. You still had James Harden. Um, and the Nets took care of business, 109-98. This was really never a game. The Nets held the Lakers to 27% from the three-point line, 48% from the field for the Lakers. LeBron had 32 Kyle Kuzma had 16, Montrez Harrell had 10, and then after that, nobody else had double figures for the Lakers. Um, Nets wasn't a, a high-scoring game for the Nets. I mean, 23 points for Harden. He was your, your, your leading scorer. Joe Harris had 21. Kyrie only had 16. Um, but the Nets shot the ball 49% from the field, 46% from three. Uh, again, Nick, it was the turnovers. The Lakers had 16 turnovers. The Nets had 13 and the Nets were able to outscore the Lakers in the first two quarter. They put up 30 plus Lakers didn't even touch 30 the entire game. So um, LeBron's great. The Lakers are great, but they just, they didn't have enough gas in this one, man. I mean, at the end of the day, AD is, is 50% of this team, right? And without AD, you're basically having two stars against one. So to me, it was, there was no other weapons. If you're relying on Kuzma as your number two, no offense to Kyle Kuzma. I actually do. I do like Kyle Kuzma. I think he's going to develop into a great player. He's, he's already a pretty dominant scorer. You can't rely on him. He, he's, he's not the smartest player. Uh, he's very turnover prone. I don't think he takes the smartest shot. So if you're telling me right now, pretty much everyone evens out and it's LeBron and Kuzma versus Kyrie and James Harden. And then we're also going to get, you know, Joe Harris versus KCP isn't even a competition in my mind. So to me, we just, we just outskilled them, you know, I didn't see this game being as close as everybody had predicted it to be because AD has gone and people have to realize AD is a top five player in the league. You have two top five players on the league in one team versus three potential top, you know, seven players on the nets. Who's going to win that game. It's the guy who has more super the team that has more superstars. And I also want to give a shout out to Jared Dudley who played three minutes and had one assist. Shout out former net Jared Dudley. Uh, before we get to the end of the podcast, Nick, just some quick injury news. Kevin Durant ruled out, for tonight's game against the Kings, but Steve Nash said he's progressing very well and he should be back on the court soon. Uh, Jeff Green with the shoulder is questionable for Tuesday's game against the Kings, which is good. The fact that he's questionable because that injury looked very serious, so it's good that he's going to be okay. Tyler Johnson missed the game against the Clippers. He has a, a thigh injury. He's considered probable for Tuesday's game. And then TLC is questionable for tonight's game against Sacramento as well. So Nets dealing with a little bit of injuries, but look, they're 20 and 12. Um, I believe that they are a half game behind the 76ers because the Sixers can't seem to beat the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, the, the Sixers are 20 and 11 and the Nets are 20 and 12. So um, great basketball from the Nets. We're going to end the podcast with a little segment because you're obviously in Hollywood. You're a big time writer, producer, actor. You, you do it all. I wanted to pitch you some movie ideas only starring Nets players. So our, you're, I'm going to give you the pitch. You're going to tell me if, if you'd want to basically write this movie for me. Okay, let's hear it. It's going to be terrible. 
it's it's not going to be terrible. All right. You're not the only one who got a few of dad's uh, creative genes. All right. This one's called robbing Washington, D.C. Landry Shamit masterminds a plan to rob the government of millions of dollars. So he has to get together a crew. Joe Harris is the good looking diversion guy. Chris Choyoza is the getaway driver. TLC is the tech guy. And Bruce Brown is the contortionist. The bad guy is played by Yaman Shumpert. And the bad guy's leading henchman is played by Andre Roberson. So it's like Ocean's Eleven, but against the government instead of a casino. Yes. Uh, okay, it's all right. I mean, I think you're stereotyping Joe Harris just because he's a good-looking guy. It doesn't mean he always wants to play the pretty boy. Maybe he wants to play a little bit of a grungier character. Also, why is Landry Shamit masterminding the plan? Like, I would see TLC kind of being the guy walking in with the briefcase, opening it up and being like, no, they plan it, full it, it's, it's got to be Shamit. If it's not Shamit, it doesn't work. Plus, the movie takes place in New Zealand. And I don't think that TLC is going to be masterminding the plan in New Zealand. This is Shamit's plan. He's got this. You just said it takes place in Washington, D.C. Why are they in New Zealand? Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The beginning of the movie is in New Zealand because Landry Shamit just got out of prison and he flies back to Washington, D.C., where he's from. And that's where he assembles the crew. My apologies. You're right. Also, I think you can come up with a better name. I thought it looks like Goodwill Hunting, robbing Washington, D.C., but there's really no person's name in it. Like, think of a name like Olympus Has Fallen. Like, that's a sick name. Terrible movie, sick All name. Right. Robbing Washington, D.C. Like, I don't know. Is someone's name Rob? Is Rob Washington, D.C.? Let, let's get to my second movie. So this is more of a rom-com, and it's called Forbidden Fruit. So Kyrie Irvin falls in love with James Harden's girlfriend, right? And his girlfriend, I'm thinking we're going to get um, either Natalie Portman for the role or Sofia Vergara, one of the two. Kyrie's best Kyrie. friend is Kevin Durant, who's also friendly with James Harden. So Durant's kind of in the middle of things. Uh, Kyrie's therapist is played by Steve Nash, who kind of helps Kyrie um, just figure out his feelings and figure, figure out if he should say something to James Harden's girlfriend. Uh, the, the title of the movie, as I mentioned, is called Forbidden Fruit. What do you think of that one? I don't mind this one. Uh, I think it's a little more... Uh realistic than the new zealand robbery movie idea but yeah, I it's, it's washington dc but go on. maybe you could play a little maybe you play a little on the title for bearden fruit because he feels james harden's girlfriend that's a good point and then i'm gonna have a scene where like the girlfriend shows up to a nets game but she holds out a sign for kyrie Irvin. And then Harden sees it. And then there's like a whole uh, skirmish in the locker room. And, and Kevin Durant ends up siding with Harden. And Kyrie's by himself. And he has to go. To, there's a lot going on in this movie. And then Durant ends up with the girl. All right. And then this is my favorite one, okay? This is called The Worst Best Idea. All right? So Nick Claxton and DeAndre Jordan are buddies. Claxton just got fired from his job. And they're getting drunk together. And Nick Claxton has this crazy good idea for an app. And him and DeAndre Jordan laugh about it. And Jordan goes, yeah, that's stupid. You know, we're never going to do that. Let's not do that. It's not worth it. Nick Claxton wakes up to find out Jordan is gone from his apartment. And DeAndre has taken the idea public. And now he takes sole responsibility for the idea. So that's the very first 10 minutes of the movie. Fast forward a year later, and Nick Claxton has to figure out how he can, he can get his idea back and build this app. So he assembles a crew. Uh, the crew is Choyoza, Joe Harris, TLC, Bruce Brown, 
Um, no Landry Shaman in this movie, but DeAndre Jordan's right-hand man, so his assistant, if you will, is Tyler Johnson. And uh, Claxon, Claxon gets this crew together and they go there. Um, Noah Vonley is also in the movie. I'm not sure what role he has in the picture, but he'll be there. And yeah, that's it. Oh, and then one of my favorite things is DeAndre Jordan sends his henchman, Jarrett Allen, to stop Nick Claxton and company from reaching him. All right. I wasn't sold on the idea until Jarrett Allen kind of came back in as a henchman. Gone for it. You wouldn't think, like, like he's got an app idea. It was, it was pretty discombobulated, but the app idea, Jordan steals it. He starts a company. Claxton goes to get it back. He runs into Jarrett. Yeah, you don't have to explain. You don't have to explain the idea again. It took you like a minute the first time. So right. let's just yeah. end the pod. All right. That does it for this week's episode of Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick. Can't wait to record next week, buddy. Can't wait to have you back on the East Coast. And as always, catch you on the fire side.